Once upon a time, in a faraway land, there was a story that changed everything. Hello and welcome to Story Tales, the podcast all about storytelling in all of its many forms. I am Marcus Hooper and... I just want to talk a little bit about myself first. This is the first episode. I guarantee, unless you're my parents who are probably going to be listening to this, that you don't know much about me. I'm an actor and I would say a filmmaker. To me, that sounds a little ambitious of me to say, but I have made films and videos, but I love storytelling and my favorite ways to do that personally are acting and filmmaking. Now, I I love all ways of storytelling, but those are the ways that I'm personally good at and my favorite ways to tell stories. And when I was six years old, I was in my first play, and then I stopped doing it for a while. And then when I was 13, my mom convinced me to be in a musical. I did it, and I never stopped doing it. And then one day when I was 16 years old, I was standing in the wings of a show that I was in called Aida, and I just was waiting for my cue, and I realized this is what I want to do. This is it. Because I just thought of it as a hobby up to that point. But it was when I was in that moment that I was like, I want to be an actor. And then ever since I've been pursuing that, and then I discovered my love for filmmaking later as a freshman in high school, and I've been pursuing both things. I currently work at Four Story Creative in Texas. There we make a bunch of media content, and I do a lot of editing, mostly editing, but I also do some directing and some acting. And it's at Four Story Creative that I met my co-host on this episode, Junior Bryant. Junior, welcome to Story Tales. Thanks for having me. Now, Junior, tell us a little bit about your experience with film, how you got into this whole process, what drew you to this specific aspect of storytelling. Well, that probably goes a long way back for me, too. I was homeschooled, and so you don't play with as many kids as often, but I really liked watching movies, and I also grew up dyslexic, so reading was difficult for me. So movies were all the more interesting because I wanted to get stories, and I loved watching those things, but reading didn't come as easy to me. My sister would read some Star Wars stories to me or Indiana Jones, and I would love just sitting there visualizing it, so I always grew up with that, but... When I was almost out of high school, I started doing stuff at our local church, working with the media department. like, hey, I've always liked media stuff, but, you know, learning about XLR cables and running a soundboard. Then when it was time to get into college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I started looking around and at our local campus, SAGU, Southwestern Assemblies of God University, I saw they had a media program. And I was like, hey, I like doing media. I'm going to give that a try, and about $40,000 in debt later, here I am. (laughs) Now, how new was the media program at SAGU (laughs) when you started? It was very new. I was probably the second batch of students to come through. They had just finished their first short film, which actually had a really good story to it, kind of a you know, don't take things for granted. It was about a news anchor who got thrown into the stories of his subjects that he was talking about and he had to live their lives and he found out that oh i'm not going to take for granted what i talk about so it was a really good story after that i worked on about mm, two three more of their short films i got to see very 
base level processes that people go through when they're learning about how to make a movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. What led you to Four Story Creative, where you're at now? Well, I had a classmate, and she was working at Four Story, and she knew me. We worked together on some of these short films at the university, and she recommended me to help do some wedding videos. And from there, they hired me on to help with some other client work, and then it just kind of kept going from there. And I think this will be my fifth year there. Wow. So it's been it's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. I've been working there for the very long period of time of six months. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a good six months. It's been a really good six months. I, I'm really happy because I, I feel like I just kind of, and you know, you guys have said this too, I just feel like I fit in. Like, it's it's crazy to think I've only been working there for six months. Not because it's been so long that I'm like, it feels like forever. <laughs> but it's like, we all kind of have the same passion and, and the same drive mm-hmm. for this particular field especially you know the work we get to do is is pretty cool not all of it sometimes it's like uh but you got to pay the bills yeah you you get that though with with working in a at a uh, media company you know that that takes on clientele but yeah i'm really happy to have met you guys i I actually saw you i don't know if i I haven't told you this i saw you one time you came and spoke at one of our classes at sagu Um, oh i remember that i think it was on a panel and i think it was a bunch of people who were all involved in different student films yeah, and you came and spoke, and um, so I remember when I first went to Four Story, I was like, "I know that guy. He he used to be a digital media arts major at Sagu." Yeah, yep, that was me. But yeah, Junior and I both graduated from the same college, yep. um, same amount of debt. Uh, it's it's <laughs> we try not to think about it. I don't know about him, but I try not to think about it. <laughs> I can't help but think about it. <laughs> and we both uh, graduated with digital media arts degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, I also graduated with a theater degree. I, th- I started with just a theater degree, and then I took script writing. I-, I was already passionate about film as well as acting, but I thought I wouldn't be able to handle two degrees. Yeah, that's tough. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do theater because acting is my number one passion, and then maybe just do my own filmmaking stuff after I graduate. But I took script writing class and, I love um, that class. Yeah, and and Rob Price, the head of digital media arts, taught that class, and I just got a little a little just glimpse into the world of the DMA, mm-hmm. you know, degree, and I was just like, I I just love that, I love it, and I want to be a part of it, and so then I actually switched my major, I think, to DMA, and switched my minor to theater because Rob Price told me he was like. The DMA minor is basically useless. He's like, you you wouldn't really get anything out of it. And I was like, okay. So I switched to a DMA major and a theater minor. Well, then I wasn't getting enough out of theater, but I was just still able to do the school plays and stuff. So I was like, okay, maybe this will be okay. Well, then I they were like, if you become a theater major and then become a part of Dramatic Pause, we can help pay for like your schooling because I was having trouble with like paying the bills. Yeah, it's a pricey school. It is. A uh, good school, but pricey. So I was like, okay, so then I ended up double majoring. It was only slightly traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I definitely don't gr- regret it. I think it was the right move. So not only did we both graduate from the same school, but we now work at the same media mm-hmm. company. Yeah, I really like that class, script writing, because after that class, you go to a movie and your brain just starts going off on all these things that you can 
start picking up on. You see it through the eyes of a script writer, you know, even at a very basic level. You're like, oh, that's this and that's that. And that's how they do this. And oh, and you can start breaking it down and reverse engineering a story and just start to learn how, you know, they do it in the big times. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I can give this a try here, like on a, a napkin at the restaurant and yeah. just give it a try. So I, that's a great thing for anyone who's interested in story just to look up the basics of a script and some of the details of how you outline a movie, the first, second, third act model, and it, it will ruin movies for you. You will never see it the same way again. Yeah, <laughs> I, but I think Rob Price sometimes gets a little too like into that where sometimes he's like, it's a good movie, but they didn't hit act two when they should have. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Mr. Price, it's a, it's not a rigid, like you have to hit act two at like 10 minutes. It's just anyway. But uh, yeah, you're right. And, and also the, the more you learn about filmmaking too, the more certain things are ruined for you. Mm. Like uh, me and my family have this joke because after I started getting into the DMA degree and started looking more at film and at TV shows and stuff, uh, this happens more in TV shows where we'll be watching it and it'll be clearly green screen. And it, yeah. and I, I would just go, well, I'm glad that's not on green screen. Like, and, <laughs> and so then I started pointing it out so much that ne- then my, my family, my parents could see it too. Mm-hmm. They were, it's like I shattered the glass, you know? Yeah. And they were like, oh, I see it. And so now they also will be like, glad that's not green screen. And they peek behind the curtain. I'll <laughs> yeah. do that with my family too. I've talked their ear off so much about scripts. We'll dissect TV shows in their script format and the character development. Like, I can't enjoy any of this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yet I still enjoy it on a whole nother level. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't necessarily make it harder to enjoy movies. It just makes me understand more why a movie is just okay or a movie is great or a movie is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, I still have this, I think I still have the same opinion I always would have. But I just know why. Yeah, you can refine the reasons why you do or don't like a movie and have actual factual points about that. Yeah, because audience members who don't know about, like, the world of filmmaking, they can hate a movie and not know why. They can be like, I just didn't like it. Just something about it was just awful. Mm-hmm. And then other people can watch it and be like, oh, it was the writing. It was the acting. It was the boring cinematography. It was the flat color grading, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so interesting that I now have that vocabulary. Yeah. Y- you know how, like, the more words you learn, the more you're able to express yourself. Yeah, you can express your thoughts more accurately and communicate it. And that's basically what you do when you learn about story and just some of the phrases, which I'm still learning myself, is you can converse with people and if you have differing opinions y'all can talk back and forth of okay well why do you think this worked why do you think that didn't work or if you both mesh really well on an idea you're like hey this really worked because of this and like yes i totally get it yeah okay well i have a really deep question for you oh gosh (laughs) it's not too deep if you can remember what was the first film that you saw that really hit you on a deep level like it wasn't just popcorn Mm. fluff but you like you watched it and you really went, wow. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. I don't know. There, there's there been a lot of them. I remember when I was a kid, I'd see a lot of movies and I probably took it a bit more seriously than I should have. Like even, you know, Toy Story. That's a very emotional movie for a kid. And I remember seeing Toy Story 2 where, you know, you see the story of Jessie, how she was left behind and mm. 
forgotten and, and that touched me like oh wow i don't want to leave my toys behind and you'll <laughs> scar them for life but you watch a lot of movies when you're little and you take it probably in a different direction a bit more you know dramatic to a kid to see those things but i know one of the ones i was impressed by the most was inception mm-hmm. when i saw that because i was right in the middle of learning about storytelling and that wowed me on like the factual level of how movies are made but a lot of movies when I was little, I could find something that really impacted me about, but I can't really put my finger on a specific one. Yeah, it's funny you said Inception because that's the one I was thinking. For me, it's a toss-up between Dark Knight and Inception, but I think if we're talking filmmaking and storytelling as regard to film, it's probably more Inception mm-hmm. because I think Dark Knight gets a little more into acting and performance mm-hmm. as far as like why I really like it. But Inception... You're absolutely right. It was one of the first ones that I watched, and I literally out loud went, wow, like the first time yeah. I saw it. And it's it's just, you know, Christopher Nolan took six years, I think, to write mm-hmm. that script, and you can tell because everything is just so it's intricately... Refined. Yes, refined, exactly. And everything's there for a purpose, and there's no scene that you're like, oh, we could do without this. There's no scene that's, like, boring. Everything is interesting. Not every scene is action-packed, but every scene is interesting because it's revealing something about the characters or the plots, mm-hmm. you know? And so you're like, hmm, you're like, you're you're paying attention every single second. And, you know, a lot of people will always will joke about how, like, oh, you have to watch Inception several times. And you do, but I don't think that's a fault to the movie. I just think mm-hmm. it's because there's so much story there that you're like, oh my goodness, you know, and there's, you just can't take it all in in the first go. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's not a fault, you know, I don't think it's like, there's too much, it's just, there's just so much good stuff. I think we're not used to having to pay attention to that much good stuff in a movie. Mm -hmm. Usually there's some good stuff, and there may be a lot of good stuff, but this is just packed with great stuff, great story beats, great lines, great performances, great cinematography. Mm-hmm. So that when you first watch it, you're like, I didn't even, I wasn't even able to like mentally record all of that. So I'm gonna have to watch it again. And I think even now when I rewatch it, sometimes I'll I'll still discover something that I hadn't thought about or hadn't noticed before. You know, yeah, uh, it's not as drastic, you know, as before where I'm like. Oh. Yeah, the popcorn wears off, as I say. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta let the popcorn wear off. Yeah, but it's it's one of those movies that like because there are some movies where you watch it and you go wow, and you watch it again and you go oh, you know, <laughs> less wow, <laughs> right? But this that's not one of those movies. Every time I watch Inception, I'm like wow, like it's still yeah, good. It, it still stands holds up. up. Yeah, and he really refined all of the things he thought through, and that's what I really like. It was very imaginative. I love those kind of movies where. They'll take an idea, they'll run with it, and they'll refine it and make it make sense in its own universe. And he did a great job there because it wasn't like, I love the Star Wars movies, but every one that comes out, you have a little bit of nostalgia you bring from the previous one. That, right. That makes you like it more just to a degree. Yeah, sure. But with a standalone movie, if they really refine their story, their premise, and their plot, it will earn even more excitement just on its own without having to bring in any nostalgia or pre-ideas of what it should be. Yeah. And, you know, the cinematography in in Inception is also, you know, Mm -hmm. come to play in, in a sense. You know, it's... It's not just a good script or or good performances. You know, there's some groundbreaking cinematography. And 
Um, I don't want to get too much into Christopher Nolan because that could be a ep- whole episode in, it, <laughs> yeah. in itself. He earned an episode. Yeah, he's my favorite director. But but one thing that I love about him is that he used to be an independent filmmaker, and he brought a lot of those independent filmmaker practices with him even when he was making big budget productions. Not in the sense that he will turn down bigger budgets or like he won't use all of his budget. He will. He'll use it to the max. But he won't rely on things like CGI or or stuff like that. He definitely uses CGI, but um, and a lot of people probably know this about Christopher Nolan, but he, if he can do a practical effect, he's going to do it, you mm-hmm. know? And one of the greatest examples of that is the hallway scene in Inception. Yeah. Um, where they just built that hallway on a spinning rig and, you know, they just, you know, nailed down the camera. I think it's one of the greatest, you know, practical effects of our mm-hmm. of our generation of filmmaking. And, you know, in 2001, they have a very similar effect, but never had it been done in that way, in that context, in, yeah. you know, before. Um, you know, because in 2001, it was space and he was just kind of lightly jogging and it was mm-hmm. like a still scene. But never had anyone taken this idea of weightlessness and this way to do it practically, mm-hmm. you know, and applied it to like this before, you know. Yeah. And I just think it, it it was just so cool, and I just love that he's he pushes the practical effects to the limit. Like he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do as much practically as I can so that the audience feels like this is really happening, you know. Mm-hmm. So that there's never a moment where they're like, oh look, rubber actors, you yeah. know. Okay, so here's another deep question. What do you think makes film a special way of storytelling? Like, what do you think makes film, okay, like, yeah. like stand out above other ways to tell stories? Yeah, because there's a lot of ways to tell it. And with film, I think it's not only that you get to refine a story, that there's been so many people who've come before us in filmmaking that have, you know, mapped out what works, what doesn't work. There's been so much you know, psychology work done on why people like movies or why they don't like movies. I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that a lot of experts or even not experts come together. If the music, the visuals, the, you know, the spoken word, everything is refined and it touches all of our senses on so many different levels that it's easy for us to receive it visually. If it's good cinematography, you know, our ears if it's good audio and our brain can process it if it's a well-written story i think probably tv shows and video games can probably get across a premise better than a movie in some ways because you usually dedicate like you know 10 15 hours in a video game where you have more time to spread out a premise but when you watch a movie and you can compress the story and the characters and the emotion of where you as a writer went and now is trying to take the audience there and you can get that across. I think it's a very approachable way for people to experience a story and get the most bang for their buck. If you know, sit down and just listen to someone tell the story that can get interesting if they're a really good storyteller, but if you see it, you hear it, you feel it, then that's a very easy thing to approach and Like I said, get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, you're exactly right. And I, I also think is there's just something to be said about being part of the story. Like, you can read a book and imagine the story, and that's a very powerful thing, too. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about opening a window and witnessing this world, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it, you know, being a part of what's happening. And, you know, you have those um, those stories of, like, 
you know, when they first started, you know, making films and you have the one where the train comes at the comes at the screen and everybody like ducked for cover because yeah. they thought a train was going to bust through the screen. You know, and, and we look at that now and we're like, well, that's clearly fake, you know, but they didn't know they that. didn't know that, you know, because it was so new to them and it was so real, you know, and they were so part of that world. That train was really coming at them. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't really respond like that anymore. But like, I think the idea, the reason that that happened still holds true. Like there's mm-hmm. still that idea of we get invested into the story. That's why you can watch Incredibles 2 and know that everyone's going to come out okay and yeah. know that no heroes are going to die. Spoiler alert, nobody dies. Um, no, None of the heroes die. Mm, spoiler. <laughs> and you can know that they're all going to survive and still be kind of on the edge of your seat and be like, oh no, they're in trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, why is that? If you know, if you know, if you know, if you know that they're going to make it out of there, mm-hmm. but yet you're tense when like they're in trouble, it's because you're part of the world. You're part of the story. They're tense, so you're tense, you know? Yeah. Because you feel like that bad guy is bearing down on you, too. And I just think that's that's something that a lot of other mediums can't do. Mm-hmm. I think the two most immersive mediums of storytelling, at least for me, are movies and video games. But video games are different in the sense that you are the protagonist, so you can climb up the walls, you can open the doors, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that would be boring in a movie if they showed you every time the character opened a door or got in their car yeah, or drove it, down the street. It's a different type of story. Right. It's a different kind of immersion, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what makes, to me, video games special. That's why you can't always just take a video game and make it into a film because part of the reason that maybe, like, uh, one of the Uncharted games is so fun is because it feels like a movie because it's very cinematic in the way they present yeah. it. But it's interactive. You mm-hmm. are the protagonist. It's almost like you're the actor in the movie, you know? Yeah. yeah, I played those games. I love them. And it's like the little things you hear back and forth that the characters say that you could assume happened if you saw the movie, but they wouldn't have had the time to, you know, put that exposition in the movie. But when you play a game and you hear the little quirks, you get to define the characters all the more. And it makes for great storytelling. But like you were saying with Inception, a great story, and I know you'll bring other people on here who can say more about it than I can, it'll start even in the script. And like for me, one of my things of where I can read more, you know, being dyslexic, is I love to read scripts because it breaks it down visually and I can, like you were saying, visualize it, think about it a little bit more, and it's not all just garbled together in lines on like a regular book. And that really works for me visually. And I think that's also kind of how it translates in video games is people can take it in different chunks and you can explain the story more but you can take more time to explain it like i don't really care for games that are 100 percent like player versus player like call of duty online i preferred it when it had more of a story and yeah i know a lot of guys they don't care for story modes and it's kind of a, a dying art even though that's what got us mostly into video games was yeah. stories. Yeah, it's like multiplayer modes, like a it's like a sport. It's like yeah. if, if you, it's an easy way to go play a sport without like mm-hmm. getting in yeah, shape. It, it or has its merits. Like that. Yeah, but I, if that's I what you're into, then that's yeah. great. But I, I I'm with you. I first of all, I got into video games late, so I everyone has been playing these games for years, and so if I try to get in now, I just I would die all the time. Well, and like. I'll go back and play some of the games that I didn't get to get in, in, you know, in the 90s when I was a kid. And I can't really relate to people who played it ever since they were, you know, a kid. But I can see it with eyes that they were never able to see it with. Yeah. Like, I didn't get into the Metal Gear series, which is a PlayStation series, which 
has a lot of exposition, a lot of story. I didn't get in that when it was, you know, in its heyday, but now I get to go back and I can actually make sense of this convoluted story that hops back and forth all all over the place. And so there's there's merit to that too. Yeah, I I, I think it's interesting what you said about um, you can play those video games with new eyes, you know, and, and see it from a different perspective. Um, it made me think of Star Wars for me. I really like Star Wars. Um, probably not as much as you because you grew up <laughs> watching Star Wars because I watched Star Wars as a kid, but sporadically. Like, mm-hmm. I never met anyone who had all of them, so I would sometimes run into someone who had one of them, and we'd watch that one. Mm-hmm. So I watched them, like, out of order. I think the first one I saw was Return of the Jedi. So I, like, saw oh, how... Oh, you the, jumped around. I saw how the whole saga ended. The, oh, that might not be true. The first one I might have seen is Return. Revenge of the Sith. Because That's not too bad to start off. I actually huh? saw that one in theaters with my mom. And oh. um, I remember when I saw The Force Awakens, I was like, this is the only the second Star Wars movie I've seen in theaters. <laughs> wow. You know, because Phantom Menace came out in 99, mm-hmm. so I was four. So I wasn't really on the Star Wars scene. So I kind of caught the prequels late. And I liked Star Wars when I was a kid, but... I watched them so sporadically that I never had a chance to think too much about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew about Star Wars. Star Wars is a huge popular icon, you know. It's like you can't get away from Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. it's everywhere. So I knew about it. I even had some toy lightsabers, you know. And <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I loved the idea of Star Wars, but I don't have the nostalgia that, like, that you would have or, or even people who were alive in the, in the yeah. 70s and 80s when, the, when they came out. So I see... A lot of, and I know, like you, I know you like see the some of the flaws in the movies, but they bother me a lot more than they bother other people. Mm-hmm. And again, I still love them, and I still think they're great, and they're definitely revolutionary films, and they're great stories. But like, especially the first one, once we get to Tatooine, for me, it kind of drags. Like, I could skip forward to when we first see Luke and be like, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. I see the merit of, of, you know, I see the storytelling merit of following the droids and all that stuff, but to me, it just gets really slow. And that first movie is just kind of, okay, all right. Like, it's it's good, yeah. but then there's something about it that you're just like, mm-hmm. let's pick it up a little bit. But, you know, I know that they were really just kind of going, you know. They had a lot to set up. Yeah, they weren't making it up as they went along. There was a lot of planning in it, but, like, they they were kind of just... You know, as far as their resources, they were just scraping the bottom of the barrel, and it barely was a movie. You know, from what I've heard. So, and and it's still good, and it's it was still revolutionary. But I just think it's interesting that like a lot of people will be like, "It's a fantastic film," and it's <laughs> Star Wars: A New Hope is so good. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's pretty good, yeah. But like, you know, other it, it pe- holds up pretty well. It does, yeah. It does. But it is not without flaws. None of them are. No, and I, I just think there are some people, and I've never heard you say this, so I'm not accusing you of this, but there are some people who will be like, no, especially with Empire Strikes Back. They'll be like, that's a perfect film. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that film. And I'm like, that's mm. no, not perfect. No, but it, it's really good. And I think that is something that you mature into is if you can watch a movie and even if you don't like it, you don't agree with it, you can take it for what it is and get out of it whatever you can. Yeah. And like I don't I'm not on board with everything with the newer Star Wars movies, but I can appreciate them for what they are. And like I watched Blade Runner for the first time this year, the original one. Oh, I wow. missed out on that one. So yeah, boo on me. And I couldn't really get on board with it, but no. I really liked the universe that they made, just the story, it didn't 
work that well for right. me. I still want to see the new one. I haven't seen the new one because I wanted to see the original. But I could take it for what it was. I can appreciate what it was for the time and the people that saw it and how revolutionary it was. But it it just didn't speak to me in the way I think it spoke to a lot of people. And when you learn more about stories, I think you get to the point where you can take it for what it is and still enjoy whatever you can out of it. Yeah, yeah. And I want to say one more thing about film. I, I think another thing that makes it really special is the visual aspect. The the fact that, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And in a film, you get 24 pictures a second, you know. Yeah. So it's just so special in the sense that, like, you know, how you can look at a painting. And, you know, sometimes people get stuff out of paintings that I just don't get. Um, but that's not my world. But, like, people can look at a painting and just weep, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it can just be like, to me, a mishmash of colors, but they can look at it and get something emotionally out of mm-hmm. it. And that's just from an image, you know? I just think to use images in sequence to tell a story is just a very, very special art form. And I'm really glad that it was discovered. I won't even say it was invented. I think maybe that was always there, but we just had to discover it, you know? And we mm-hmm. had to discover how to do it. Because, you know, humans have been telling stories with pictures and with performance forever you know so i I think it's just this was the first way we could do Mm -hmm. it in this kind of yeah it was kind of the gathering of all of them like we were saying you know they can tell stories with music and there's some fantastic stories out there that people told with just music or just visuals or you know just with written word and movies is kind of where it all comes together more or less and you can touch a lot of different kinds of people with one thing and everyone can contribute to it and make it something really special. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool art form and uh, I'm glad that I know as much as I do and I I'm excited when I learn new stuff. Like mm-hmm. I'm like I want to know more. I want to sit down with every single director who's ever made a Hollywood film and just be like, "Okay, walk me through step by step. <laughs> How did you make this movie? How did you make that movie?" You know, that's not a really realistic goal, but like it would be so cool, you know, just to sit down with them and be like how did you do it? How were you feeling? What was your plan? You know, what went wrong? So I love the art form, and I can't wait to talk more about film with you in the future. Uh, and we're going to talk about more specific things. For the first episode, we thought we would just talk kind of about film in general and what it means mm-hmm. to us. But in the future, we'll, we'll be a little more specific. We'll talk about specific topics in the, I don't want to say genre of film, but in the, what would you say? Uh, in the general scope of filmmaking and storytelling through film. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, thank you, Junior, for joining me. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to can't wait to have you back. I'll do better next time. I promise. <laughs> no, you were great. Thanks to Ryan Hansen, our producer, who's <laughs> who's producing this episode, and thanks to you guys who are listening to this. I hope you really enjoyed it. Please download future episodes. Please subscribe to this podcast, and uh, if you have any ideas for future episodes, please. Let us know. Thanks for listening. This has been Story Tales. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Story Tales. Please subscribe and follow us on Twitter at StorytalesPod, where you can share your story with us. Or you can email us at StorytalesPodcast at gmail.com. Your story is 